Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Celebration. How are we doing? We're excited for a youth takeover. Come on. If you didn't know, if you're new here, my name is Pastor Josh, and I get to be the youth pastor here. And I just love the youth. I believe God has called my wife and I to the youth. A little bit of my story is I went all the way through middle school and high school. I didn't even know youth groups existed. I never had a friend that, I didn't even run bump into anybody uh, that was living for Jesus. It wasn't until my freshman year in college where I met a college roommate that was actually following Jesus and was like excited about it and was having fun doing it. I was like, what? That's, that's a thing. And uh, make a long story story short, I kind of made fun of him for the next few years, and then finally he led me to Christ uh, my junior year in college, and when, I, when, when you give your life to Christ and you have the salvation in Christ, it's just scales come off your eyes, and you're like, oh my goodness, like, this is a whole new way of doing life, and it's the best thing ever, and so I believe that's what God has called me to do, because there's, in, in America, in our society right now, in our backyard, in our local communities, there's so many people telling the teenagers which way to go, and it's not the way of Jesus. And there's not enough of us saying, hey, there's an awesome and way better way, and it's the only way to life, and it is Jesus. And so that's what I'm called to do. I'm, I'm called to galvanize and get these students excited about Jesus and, and multiply myself and my heart in them uh, to be excited to go to their schools. And we've just been seeing uh, revival in the youth ministry. We've had over 50 salvations in the last eight months since Kim and I have been here. It's not, a, not our own doing. It's been a lot of prayer. Um, and the coolest thing, it's been a lot of these students stepping out and the Holy Spirit empowering them. We, we do a pro- private declaration uh, for Christ, but we al- I always tell them, I'm sa- I said, you're God. Uh, Jesus, he died a public death for you. Can you publicly declare him? So I'll, I'll give them an opportunity to privately give their life to Christ, and then I give them a second opportunity to publicly declare it. And then I, we've had almost 25 students come and publicly declare their, their life uh, being given to Christ in front of all their peers, uh, which has been really powerful. We've been giving away so many Bibles. If you have any extra Bibles, I keep having to purchase Bibles. Um, so we would love to get some more Bibles because every time we have a new student give their life to Christ, we give them a Bible and then our own discipleship program that was made here by Pastor Josiah and Pastor David. It's called First 30. And it's this first, or it's this like little devotional book uh, for your first 30 days with Christ. So God has been moving in our youth group. It's been powerful and I'm excited to have you guys see some of our youth students come up. Uh, we have two of our youth leaders stepping up as well, giving five minute words. They're gonna try to be quick. We have six speakers uh, and not a lot of time. If we're on Vicente's time, if we're on Pastor Vicente's time, we have two hours though, right? Um, but Before I jump into that, I just want to say thank you to to Pastor Derek and Pastor Dana. They're some of our biggest cheerleaders, and we would not exist as a youth ministry uh, if they didn't allow us to exist as a youth ministry. So uh, ultimately, God first. But just thank you guys for always believing in us, trusting in us, and giving us this opportunity on a Sunday to speak before the whole congregation. So I'm going to pray quick, and then we're going to get to our speakers, and it's going to be an awesome Sunday morning. Lord, we lift up every single speaker. We lift up every single person in this room. We're not here by chance, God. God, I pray that each specific word, they have a different word, God. I pray that it would speak to every single person in here, Lord. 
Lord, I pray that people would be filled up by your presence. I pray that uh, the, the people in this room, God, we would not see uh, a student speaking. We would not see a leader speaking. We would see you, God. We'd see you, God, through them. Uh, Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this youth ministry. Thank you uh, for the generations that are combined, the multi-generational church of celebration. Thank you for bringing us together, Lord, in the one name, the one name above all names, in the name of Jesus, everybody said amen, amen. You guys, check out our first speaker. Let's get to it. All right, Celebration, our first speaker from our youth ministry. She is the most beautiful woman that I know today. She's bringing a powerful word on contentment, so make some noise and get excited and welcome my wife, Kim Trifonoff, to the stage. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Good. The 1045 is a little more excited and awake than the 9. So I feel like now that I've had my coffee too, I didn't have it before the 9, but now I've had it. So I'm ready to go. So who in here loves to be happy? Raise your hand. You guys all love to be happy, right? So I have chased happiness for as long as I can remember. I remember being little, I remember trying to chase happiness, and I remember getting to middle school and then to high school, and I'm trying all the things, all the little areas that would just make me feel happy. So I went to parties, I found friends, I had boyfriends, and all these things I was just trying to chase to find happiness somewhere, somehow. And then I met this guy, Josh. And he actually didn't know the Lord when we met, and we only got five minutes, so I have to give you like a really, really quick version of this. But Josh and I met at, in college. I was a sophomore in college. He was my brother's roommate. They played football together. Um, my brother was mad at first. Now he's okay, so praise the Lord. Um, but Josh and I started dating, and after about three months we were dating, he gave his life to the Lord. And I was like, this guy is off the rails. He is cuckoo crazy. I don't know why I still like him, but I still like him, which was weird. And so he kept inviting me to church. He kept bringing me along. He bought me a Bible. It was really sweet. He got me this like really thick NIV study Bible and I had no idea how to read it, Um, but he dropped it off at my doorstep and then I just started opening it up, but not until nine months later. So. Josh was slow, he was patient, he didn't force me to give my life to the Lord, and the greatest of all was that we found a church that we loved, and we both gave our lives to the Lord, and I thought, great, now that I've given my life to the Lord, things are going to be all peachy, and once I can kick these old habits, once I can just get rid of these old things, these old habits, these old temptations, and I find myself in godly friendships, in a godly marriage, all these things, like, then I'm going to be happy. That's it, right? Well, no. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. So contentment is defined as a state of happiness and satisfaction. It's what we're all chasing after if we're all really honest with ourselves. I see it in youth group all the time. Kids are doing the same thing I was doing. They're looking to friends. They're looking to boyfriends and girlfriends and parties and all these different things to find them happiness. And adults are no different. I've seen it, but more importantly, I've experienced it. I have a family that I love so much. 
I love my husband. I love my kids. I have um, a great job. I get to do ministry with my husband. I have a home. I have a bed to sleep in, and I have food to eat. Yet there are moments that contentment and happiness is hard to come by. And this church that I talked about, Josh and I giving our lives to the Lord to, it's where we got involved in ministry. It's where we found some of our best friends. It's where I felt that we both were kind of in this dream state, right? We were both operating in what we felt was the call of our, what we felt God put a call in our life for. I was doing kids ministry, Josh was doing youth ministry, um, but we got to do it together. And we were with our best friends. My family went to the church, it was the greatest place that I thought I ever knew. We spent six years there, and then the church ultimately came to an end. It no longer exists today. And when that happened, when that came to an end, Josh and I found ourselves sort of in this wandering season, sort of trying to figure out, well, gosh, we don't feel like maybe we're in this dream state. Any- we don't feel like we're walking in our purpose anymore. We don't feel like maybe, we just felt confused. And I tried to figure it out. I tried to find it as much as I possibly could. I created, an, I created my own business. I did different jobs. I did different things that I thought were going to find me fulfillment and find me purpose, which will ultimately bring me happy and satisfaction, right? I figured out that I can't actually make contentment happen. It's not something materialistic. It's not something I can earn. It's not something I can gain. So I was reading... And this story we've all heard before, it's the widow's offering, and it's in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. Starts at 41, says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in, very, and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And this is a powerful illustration of thankfulness, which I believe leads to contentment. Thankfulness leads to happiness and satisfaction. This story teaches us that true gratitude is demonstrated through sacrifice. The widow gave everything she had, yet she was content with nothing but Jesus. And here I am, and here we all are, chasing to find things and to find happiness and satisfaction. And we think it's actually out of abundance that that will happen. But it's actually out of true surrender that it will happen. I remember leaving my business after I started it, and God asked me a question. He asked me, if I didn't have anything, would he be enough? And that really hit me because I thought of this story, this, this poor widow has nothing left. Yet she threw in two copper coins. And God asked me, would I be enough if you didn't have anything? Would he be enough if you guys didn't have anything? 
So to the youth and to the adult in the room, don't wait till you are operating in maybe what you feel like is your calling. You're in the call. Don't wait till you feel like you're in the dream. You're in the dream. We can't artificially create happiness and contentment, but what you can do is what that widow did. You can get on your knees every night and every morning and you can fully surrender to the Lord. And that's my prayer for you guys. That's my prayer for myself, is that we would continue to do that widow's story. Don't look, for sur- don't look for happiness and satisfaction out of materialistic things. Go to the Lord. Thank you. Check out this next video. We are on to our second speaker for this morning, and you guys are in for a treat. He is bringing a powerful word on prayer. So buckle up, get ready, and get excited, and welcome Josh Wormenskirchen to the stage. My name is Josh Wormer Skirchen, as Pastor Josh almost said. I don't know where that extra N came from, but that's all right. Today I'm going to be sharing a word about prayer that God shared with me. But first I'd like you to unpack a bit about myself. I am nothing without God. I'm not all that. I'm definitely not all there. I'm not the strongest, coolest, whatever but I do have prayer. I haven't always, though. In my adolescence, and about two years ago specifically, I started to fall into careless sin, which leads to careless thinking, which leads to separation from God. I started to lose every spiritual battle, and we as humans can try and fight off every attack from the enemy on our own. But without praying to God, we'll always lose. Today I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. And he, Jesus, came out and went, as, he was, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus was in agony. It says his sweat was like great drops of blood. He knew he had to die for us. And I'm sure it was scary. But because he asked that the Father's will be done, an angel came down from heaven and strengthened him. God will also strengthen us. I was not living for him. My mental health was weak. Addictions I wanted to let go of, but I couldn't on my own. Fast forward to this year at summer camp. I was just worshiping, 
praying to him, giving all of myself to him, ask that he would remove all of my fleshly wants from me, praying that God's will would be done in my life. And that's how we can be freed. That's how we can see the power of God move. Multiple nights out of the week, I felt like I was supposed to go pray for friends. Sometime after, the, after we got home from camp, two of those friends told me that what I prayed over them was exactly what they were praying about. Exactly what they were thinking about. And, and that's God. That's not me. I had no idea what I was going to say to them when, before I went up to them. But God gave them a word that strengthened them. So when we're in distress, when we can't do it alone anymore, we must distance ourselves from the world, from distractions, and pray. Enter into the creator of the universe's presence with reverence. Recognize his glory. Get down on our knees and call him Father, as Jesus did. And in every trial in our life, recognize we can't do it alone. And just pray, no matter where you are. Ask that his will be done, because Jehovah knows way better than me, so I'll save the stress and place it in his hands. So if we truly have the heart, when we pray that it should be his will and his plan, not ours, and we don't want to enter temptation anymore, but we want to be delivered from evil and free. He will, because he's a big God and our Father who loves us and will strengthen us. Amen. Thank you. Turn your attention to the screen. All right, we're on to our third speaker, and I can't wait for you to hear from this speaker. She's bringing a powerful word on sin and freedom. So get ready and welcome Carly Lofton to the stage. Good morning, church. I'm so excited and I'm so honored and so privileged to be with you guys this morning. I'm even more excited to preach again because, uh, of course, we all preach this morning at the 9 a.m., but I'm just so stoked to just dig into God's word and just share with, to share with you all what God has put in my heart. So I was like thinking, how should I start, like, how should I start my sermon today? And I like to find myself to be a funny person naturally but when I try to be funny or make a joke it just doesn't work and people tend to laugh at me and not with me so I was like how am I gonna show my character to people today and the Lord's like well you know what um I'll give you a little something so last night about 10 o'clock I had to bring my brother to the hospital to get it to get a new cast because his cast got wet and so I brought my journal with me where I was taking all my notes for today and I brought it with me and I was like writing more down as he was getting these new casts on whatever and I was pushing him in the the hospital's wheelchair and on, the, on our way out, I put my journal behind the wheelchair, and then we left the hospital 35 minutes away from my house, and I get home, and I realized I left my journal at the hospital with all my notes for today. 
And it was like 11.30 at night. And I was like, there's no way I'm driving an hour round trip to go get my notes. And I was like, all right, God, you're just gonna have to take over and say whatever you want because I'm not doing that. So <laughs> it was that at night, or I had to drive early this morning. And you know, early bird gets the worm, but not for me. I'm not an early person at all. So I tried to go there this morning to go get it, but I was gonna be super late, so I was like, you know what, whatever. So I just rewrote down everything that the Lord pressed in my heart this morning in my journal. So with that being said, if everyone could stand for the reading of God's word. I've always wanted to say that, just like Pastor Derek. It's so cool and fun. All right, today we're gonna be reading out of Galatians 5.1. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Y'all can have receipts now. Thank you. <laughs> Serious question. How many times have you said, oh, I'm walking in freedom, I'm living in freedom, yet you still carry the weight of your sin? You walk around with chains on your ankles or with weights on your shoulders, and you walk around like slumped down. Could you imagine if I came up here and I started walking around and talking and being like, all right, hi guys, today I'm gonna be talking about freedom. Hope you guys like it and enjoy. Like if I, if I walked down with my head like that, I, I would look foolish. But you see, sometimes as a church, as us people, as Christians, that's how, we, that's how we look and that's how we walk around when we're not walking in freedom and we continue to walk in sin and when we're, we continue to walk in our shame and our guilt. But guess what? We don't have to do that. We don't have to stay there. See, in Galatians 3.11, it says, so it is clear that no one could be made made right with God by trying to keep the law. For scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which it says, it is through obeying the law that a person has life. So these are two very different things. Old scripture says in, in, in the Old Testament that it is, through, it is through laws that we are made right with God. And you see at the time it was, but Christ came to abolish the law, to fulfill the law, so that now it is through faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved and that we have faith. In Galatians 3.13, it says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law, the curse. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Who was hung on a tree, y'all? Jesus. He was hung on a tree and he was cursed. And you want to know why? Because he became sin, so sin wouldn't become us. He became sin, so sin wouldn't take over and become our lives, you guys. And then I'm reminded of Galatians 5.24. Yes, another scripture because I just read from the Bible because it's all I know. And y'all don't want to hear just me and my own words because sometimes it's, it's not the most fruitful stuff. But that's why we go back to the word of God. See, 
In Galatians 5.24, it says, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. It's saying nailed. He took our sin and nailed it onto the cross, nailed it into his hands, and nailed it into his feet. So now we don't have to walk around with shame. We don't have to walk around with guilt and with pain and anger. We don't have to walk around with our sin like a baggage and like a 45-pound heavy backpack on our back but now we get to walk around in freedom because he's given us life and life abundantly y'all it says that he is the way the truth and the life do you know what that means if he's the way and if he's the truth and if he's the life then guess what that means that means that we have life in Christ and we know that the truth will set us free and who's the truth Jesus is the truth and if we know that we have truth and Jesus, and he gives us life, then guess what? We have freedom in Christ. Sometimes I feel like we walk around and we're just existing, but we're not living. We go through the everyday motions and we're, and we're doing our everyday lives, but we forget that like we have life and we can live it fruitfully and we can live it abundantly because we serve a God who loves each and every single one of you so much. And you don't even know that sometimes. I think of a bird, I know, completely shifts, a bird, and they have so much freedom. They can fly and do whatever they want. They could go from one state to another as they, as they do every summer, I mean, winter in Minnesota. Yesterday I was at the zoo and we were watching a bird show, and I know, it was a bird show, weird, I don't know. And they are able to just, they fly around, and I'm like, how do they not just like go and fly wherever? Like, if I was a bird, I would leave the zoo. I don't know about you. But so they have the freedom to do whatever they want. Unless you're a penguin, then you have no freedom and you can't fly anywhere, which is really unfortunate. And then you're also stuck in the cold, which is also really unfortunate. But anyways, they have freedom. We got to act like birds, y'all. We got to be free. We do have freedom. Walking in Christ means you have life. You get to live and be fruitful. So live freely, knowing that our sin, our debt was paid 2,000 years ago, and it was nailed onto the cross. See, I've experienced freedom in a new way, in a way that I've never experienced before, and I want each of you to be able to have that same experience and to be able to experience and see Jesus in a whole new way. So today after service, there's gonna be prayer partners, and if you feel called, if you feel led, come on up, and man, y'all can have the freedom that, that Christ gives us. Amen. Turn your screen, turn your head to the screen for the next bumper. For our fourth speaker, we have a student that gave his life to Christ in the last four months here at this youth ministry, and he's bringing a powerful word on radical transformation. So make some noise and welcome Jake Schimmel to the stage. Good morning, church. That was a lot louder than the 9 a.m. Um, Okay, my name is Jake Schimmel, like I said, and I'm going to be speaking on radical transformation and then tying that into my own testimony and then also tying that into Ephesians 2. So if you will, please stand for the reading of God's word because that is how we honor God's word. Amen. All right, Ephesians 2, 1 through 6 reads, 
Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. You may be seated. It was four months ago and one day ago that my life changed forever. On April 5th, 2023, I gave my life to the Lord and accepted him into my heart. Before that time, I used to believe that there was no God. I believed this because I had so many questions about God, I had so many wonderings, I didn't understand the religion of Christianity. And it wasn't until that I met a few people who were willing to answer those questions, and the questions that they couldn't answer, they asked their parents or they asked their other peers, and it wasn't until that I had those answers that I was really able to understand and then believe the gospel. So it was because of somebody planting a seed of faith in my heart that God was able to water that and then help that grow in my heart. Like it says in Ephesians 2, I was dead in my disobedience and my many sins. I was dead when I used to follow the ways of the world. The Bible doesn't say that I was hurt in my sins. The Bible doesn't say that I was bad in my sins. It says I was dead. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a dead man try and make himself better. Dead men don't do anything. Dead men tell no tale. Their book is closed. So God had to come through and open up my book again. God had to do what I couldn't do for myself. Jesus says, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. So because of God's great love for me and his amazing grace, because of the sacrifice that Christ Jesus made on the cross, I was made alive again. The day that I gave my life to the Lord on April 5th, 2023, I remember the drive home from, from youth group. It was something that I'll never forget. I felt so loved, I felt so joyful, I felt saved, I felt loved and I felt forgiven. I remember calling my friends, just, just crying and telling them how I felt and saying, please, just like experience this. It is so amazing. Wow. All of a sudden, I had this purpose for my life. I no longer lived for the ways of the world. I no longer lived for partying, for drinking, for, every, for gratifying all the cravings of my flesh, but I lived for glorifying God. Since I gave my life to the Lord, I go to, I go to church multiple days a week. I, I'm in a lot of different groups and stuff. I, I go to church camp, or I've gone to church camp. I've spoken at my youth group. Uh, I just got baptized last Sunday. And, <laughs> and I've evangelized to many of my friends, and then also I evangelized to many people I meet just out wherever, at parks, wherever. Um, so I love 
just talking about God, and I love um, spreading his word. Um, so my radical Christianity is just a reasonable response for the revelation I've received. My radical Christianity is just a reasonable response for the revelation I've received. So many of my friends ask me, what changed? How did it change? And why did it change? And I just tell them, if you knew how I felt on April 5th and how I continue to feel, you would understand. Please just come with me, like experience this. And, they, and so, a lot of people have, um, they, they've asked me to teach them and to bring them with, and I, and I have, and it's been great. So the revelation that I've received is just the reasonable response to the revelation I've received. <laughs> so while I was at church camp, I was praying at the altar, and I asked God to give me some words for this, uh, for this sermon. And God didn't give me words, but he gave me a word. The word was now. Don't wait to get to know Jesus. In Matthew, it says, seek and you will find. Now is the time to seek. Now is the time to find. Now is the time to repent. Now is the time to break those chains that are holding you back from the Lord. Now is the time to spread the, Lord, the word. Now is the time to tell your friends about the love of Jesus Christ. And now is the time to give your life to the Lord. Turn your attention to the screen for the next video. We have two speakers left, and for our fifth speaker, we have a student now becoming a leader who's been helping lead our worship every Wednesday in the youth department, and she's bringing a powerful word on obedience. So make some noise, get excited, and welcome Maria Ross to the stage. I guess I, oh, I guess I should say good afternoon now, but I'm so honored to be able to speak with you all today. Um, just to like get into it, I was, I'm speaking on obedience and <laughs> a little funny story. I was going over this sermon with my dad, Clifton, and he was like, Maria, you need a hook. Like you need to get everyone's attention. So he was like, you need to stand up here look everybody in the eye and just say, obey me. And I was like, I am not doing that. That is so wild. Like I'm gonna scare the new people who just came today. So I simplified it for all of you. So how would you guys feel if I just stood up here and said, obey me, like I just did? Probably not good. You don't know me, some of you, and you'd think I'm weird. So, but obedience is often taken from a worldly definition, which is submission to authority. And I think the word submission scares this culture and my generation a lot. But the biblical definition of obedience is surrender and saying, your will be done, not mine, God. An example of this um, is Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 to 4, in verse 9. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, 
and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left. And that number kind of just like shocked me because some of you in here are 75 or younger or older than that. And God called you, and I really feel that God has called you to something, but you've been running away from it. And if Abram can do it at 75 years old, you still have time to do it too. You still have time to start now. (laughs) So Abram, later called Abraham, left everything behind to go to a land he had never seen based on the command of a God unknown to him without any hesitation. But in this modern day, how many of us would go just as the Lord told us without hesitation? I'm sure for most of us, we would say, no, God, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna listen to the command that you're giving me because we would want to see the land before we say, yes, Father. We would want the results without the process. And I'll be honest, I'm in that right now. I just met with Kim yesterday and we were talking and I was just talking about my life. And she was like, Maria, like, this is why the sermon is so perfect for you because I just want (laughs) the finished result without the process. I just wanna be at the finish line. And I even saw that um, when I was 13, I went on a missions trip to Guatemala through celebration and there I was called to be a missionary. But when I got back home, I wanted to be back in Guatemala so bad. I just wanted to be there and have my missions organization running. And I just didn't want to be at the starting line because when you see brokenness as a believer, how would you not want to go back and reach the lost? But God said, Maria, you ignore the brokenness in your own city every day. So you need to start in your own backyard before you go global. Thank you. So God was teaching me that I have to obey him in the journey of getting to the land. So many of us want the finished work that we miss all the foundational building that happens at the starting line, at the beginning. God could have had the Bible start with the um, finished work of Jesus Christ, but he knew the importance of Genesis. He knew the importance of the beginning. And how many of us would hate a story that just went, the end? No, we wouldn't like that because we as a people love to see a start and a finish, like a movie or a book. So why do we cheat when it comes to obedience and think we can just have the finished work without doing anything in the start? An example of this is you have to serve before you lead. You have to pray before you speak. You have to work out before you see the results. You have to be willing before you can be sent. You have to learn before you teach and you have to obey before you see the blessings, just like Abraham. So in essence, you have to have the beginning before you have the end. And in all reality, the starting line is obedience, and the finish line is eternal life. 1 John 2.17 says, And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases to God will live forever. A relationship with Jesus is not based on works, but it is based on obedience. So if Jesus says to start something, obey him. Because when you obey, with it comes your eternal, your inheritance, with it comes eternal life. So who's ready to start and obey him today in whatever he's calling you to? Amen. Turn your attention to the screen for the next video. Last but certainly not least, we have an amazing leader. Everybody would want this guy on their team. He brings so much joy and lift to every area in his life and every team that he steps into. And he's done that with our youth ministry. And he's bringing a powerful word on harvest time. Make some noise, get excited, and welcome Joey Orlando to the stage.
My wife Kirsten and I have had just a joy and a pleasure getting to know Pastor Josh and Kim over the last few months. We had them over for dinner, and some of you have met their two beautiful children. And their, it, it, particularly, I want to mention their daughter, Jolie, who yeah. just has so much energy running around. We had them over for dinner. And I don't think she ever ate anything. I'm not sure how they, you know, give her nutrition because she is constantly on the move. Her attention span is one of the shortest I've ever seen. I've only met one other kid with as short of an attention span and as much energy as little two, now just turned three, Jolie. And that's her dad, Pastor Josh. And so this morning, it seems appropriate that when we have a youth takeover, that he plans a service that's just one kind of Instagram screen after another here, six sermons. So, so my Instagram meme this morning is, it's harvest time. Okay, they didn't, apparently you have to look at the, it's harvest time. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38 says, Jesus went into all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest sends forth laborers into the harvest field. So number one, Jesus went. We need to go. We need to go. We need to step outside with our faith from these walls of this church, and we need to go into all the towns and villages, into our workplaces, into the grocery store, into our schools, wherever it may be, we need to go. Some of us, we just, we just haven't even taken that first step to just go and think every day when we get up, I'm going. This is my job. This is what God has me on this planet for, for those of us who have given our life to the Lord. It says he was teaching and preaching and healing every sickness and disease. So he didn't just teach and preach, he met their felt needs, right? So when we meet people's felt needs, maybe they're just hurting, maybe they've gone through a, a struggle and it's just a, a taking a moment to just say, hi, I care about you, or you know, is there anything I can pray for you about, or whatever it might be. It might be getting them a birthday card. It might be just showing love to people in all different ways. A lot of us are good at, you know, like to talk, but aren't at maybe as good as meeting those felt needs. But when we do that, when we meet felt needs, people's ears open up and they're more willing to listen to what we have to say. On the other side, many of us might be good at loving people, meeting those felt needs, but we don't quite have that boldness and courage to step out and share the gospel and talk. We got to do both. We got to do both. But most importantly, we need to go. Right? Because it's harvest time. It says, Jesus went, and when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed 
and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We need to start seeing people. Not just co-workers around us, not just fellow people at the grocery store, not just our classmates, our bodies around us. We need to start seeing souls. That these aren't just people, but they're souls created by God with a plan and a purpose for their lives. We need to take on the heart of Jesus and ask for that compassion that breaks our heart every day so that we get on our knees and we say, God, give me your heart for people. Give me your heart for these souls. God, give me ability with, give me the eyes of Jesus to start seeing people. Because it's harvest time. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. We need to have compassion for people. We need to take on the heart of Jesus. We need to go. We need to start seeing people, seeing souls. And we need to have the compassion that Christ has for these people. That he breaks our hearts every day. Because he saw they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What does harassed and helpless look like? Harassed? A screen in our pocket. How many hours a day that we look at it? And the images and the, and the messaging that's constantly coming on every one of us and people around us of where you're going to find happiness. That's harassed. Pornography. It just available anytime, anywhere. That's harassed. Messaging that says if you don't like yourself or how God created you, go to a surgeon and get it changed. And maybe then you'll find happiness. What's harassed look like? Pandemics. World pandemics hanging over our head. Our economy, fragile, that we realize could crash at any time. What does harassed look like? What does helpless look like? We've had a surge in mental health crisis, suicides. Just this week, Congress put together a, a, a bipartisan proposed bill because the Surgeon General just declared a pand or an epidemic of loneliness literally calls it an epidemic of loneliness. We have Congress putting together a bill to combat loneliness. How many of you know government's not going to fix that? Helpless. Harassed and helpless. So our hearts need to break for people. So what does that look like, harassed and helpless? So when we're scrolling, or we turn on the TV, or whatever it might be, and we see the gay pride parade. Do we get angry at people? Or does our heart break for them? Do we have compassion that Jesus is having? Because they're sheep without a shepherd. Because they're lost. How do we expect sheep without a shepherd to act and behave? Do our hearts break for them? When we see other religions that are false religions or whatever it might be that, that, that 
that are being presented, do we just get angry at those people? Or do our hearts break for them like Jesus would because harassed, helpless sheep without a shepherd? There's only one enemy, right? If you're going to get angry, get angry at that enemy. You know what I'm saying? Let your hearts break for people who think, believe different than what the gospel does because they don't know. We need to have the heart for people that Jesus has. Our hearts need to break for souls because it's harvest time. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends forth laborers. And that word send in the original Greek, ekbalo, not that that matters. But the meaning is a force behind the object. There is a force behind the object. So you think, like, how can I go? I'm just me. How can I have this kind of heart for people? Because I do get angry at people when I see this. Because I'm just, that's <laughs> who I am. What do I say to these people? How do I meet their needs? What do I say? I'll tell you what. He's called us to do one thing. Get on our knees and pray for that sending power of the Holy Spirit to come on us. So that throughout our day, we start to listen and God starts to lay words on our heart. And we do need to take that step forward. You say, I'm too afraid. Well, that Holy Spirit, that sending power of boldness can come on you to have that courage to talk to that kid in your lunchroom or that coworker, or, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe you're in an assisted living facility. We're watching this right now. It's harvest time. Doesn't matter how young or old you are, it's harvest time. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the tenth time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.